Across the globe, think tanks have played more important role in the energy and climate policy debates since 1990s. By examining the newly published reports and talking to the authors from those renowned think tanks and research institutes, this podcast helps professionals and researchers to understand how the policy ideas and analysis shape and influence the energy and climate policies around the world. If you find our program informative and inspiring, please subscribe to this podcast and share with your colleagues and friends. You may send your comments and questions to us through social media. You can find us on LinkedIn via Energy Transition and Carbon Pricing or Rock Environment and Energy Institute. Welcome to REI's Energy and Climate Podcast. I'm Aaron from REI, and I'm with my colleague Zhao Yang today. Hello, everyone. This is Zhao Yang. I'm very happy to come back to discuss uh, another episode of the uh, REI Energy and Climate Podcast. In the last episode of our podcast program, we discussed the research article published in Science called Assessing China's Efforts to Pursue the 1.5 Celsius Warming Limit. If you missed our last episode, please give it a listen in our channel. In today's episode, we want to examine China's attitude towards coal investment following G7's climate push towards stopping international funding for coal power development, especially taking a closer look at into the climate and economic significance of Chinese coal investment, both uh, domestically and internationally. So before we uh, have more detailed discussion about China, I would like to present some uh, background information of new released report by IEA. Uh, it has been a very hot discussion in recent weeks. It's called Net Zero by 2050 report. So in that report, they have very significant uh, policy recommendation in three ways. First is to make most of the existing commercialized technology like uh, electric vehicle, uh, like renewable energy, particularly wind and uh, solar. Secondly, it's about the invest in some emerging technology like hydrogen, like CCS and other uh, low carbon technologies. And the most in controversial recommendation is about stopping developing the new, most controversial recommendation uh, is asking the global uh, society to stop investing fossil fuels, including coal, oil, and natural gas by the end of this 2021. So this is a very interesting and discussion, you know, because each of the major economies, uh, they have very different preference about the coal development. So, uh, for example, in European countries, including US, so the coal has been in declining in the past uh, one or two decades. And uh, they are really relied on natural gas in their power supply and also some other low carbon technology like a nuclear. And for some countries, they have really uh, invested heavily in renewables in recent years. For example, the UK, they already have the biggest power supply from uh, offshore wind. So this is very uh, interesting background because when this policy regulation came out, uh, many countries, including 
some country who have a strong share of the coal or independence on the coal power, they really uh, have something. <laughs> they want to say, okay, it's too early to to do this. Yeah, so it's very interesting to see that right after the IEA's newest、uh, report came out. Uh, the G7 countries released a following report on、uh, May 22nd, agreeing that the G7 countries plus EU would stop all international financing of coal projects that emit carbon, also by the end of 2021. And at the same time, they're calling out all of G20 countries to join the seven plus EU. To really approach this goal as something that they will be t- discussing a lot and working towards together prior to the COP twenty six conference in Glasgow, and、uh, with this in mind, China, Japan, and South Korea, usually the largest providers of public and private finance of coal power, the in Asia they are working together to see how they can reduce. Their investments and this push really puts pressure in China in terms of stopping coal investments internationally and domestically. As we all know, China is a country with very high coal utilization, and with this in mind, they're facing more pressure to end its high emitting investments.、Uh, especially looking at Japan, who is committed to making no new investments in coal industry. And in South Korea, where they committed to stopping all of its international coal investment projects, but not limiting to private funding, only limiting it to public funding investments. And when we're looking at China's coal investments, it's usually divided into two categories. And today we're discussing the importance and differentiating the different strategies of lower coal investments and how. That affects China domestically and also internationally. Because China has been playing very significant role in financing the coal power projects across the regions、uh, in many countries、uh, due to the One Belt and One Road initiative. So, in the next part of the episode, I think we will firstly、uh, provide some insightful、um, observation. About China's domestic coal power development、uh, in the context of the China's new climate strategy and、uh, energy system、uh, development. Within China, the country has ambitious target to reach carbon neutral target by 2060, but with lack of concrete roadmap or sub goals. It's quite difficult to see a clear path. So, despite the fact China added record amount of renewables to its electricity grid in 2020, it was still the largest coal producer across the world. Here, I can provide some information or statistics,、uh, helping our audience to understand the context. So, by the end of 2020, so China already installed. Uh, more than 500 gigawatt、uh, renewables, particularly the wind and the solar power capacity, and the country plans to increase that target to th- triple、uh, until I mean by 2030, that capacity will increase to 
1,650 gigawatts. So that's a big jump. And in the next five years, China has set a goal. So by 2025, around 20% of energy use、uh, will be from non-fossil fuel energy sources. In terms of the electricity generation,、uh, renewable share will contribute to the energy supply by 26 by the next decade until the 2030. Of course, that includes. Forty、uh, percent the hydropower,、uh, so in now in, by twenty twenty, the renewables、uh, hydropower included only account for ten、uh, percent of the electricity generation. So you can see、uh, in the next five and beyond next five or ten years from twenty twenty one to twenty thirty, China already set very ambitious development goals, not only in the primary energy supply but also. Uh, electricity supply, but interestingly, China also has some short-term、uh, construction of the fossil fuel, particularly coal power, in the recent years.、Uh, China was also the only G20 country to see a significant jump in the coal production, according to a, a report from think tank Amber. So this is a very mixed picture about China's development in in the power sector. So now you know I can say something about the percentage of the power generation by 2020, according to China Electricity Council. It is a, a very authoritative、uh, statistics prov- provider、uh, about China's electricity and the energy use. So by 2030, in terms of power generation,、uh, the coal power still provide the majority. Of the power consumption is more than sixty、uh, percent, although the wind and the solar power is catching up, and the capacity building,、uh, of course, as I just mentioned, most of the capacity building、uh, installed capacity、uh, came from renewables. But although the one third of the capacity、uh, increase in twenty twenty was also from coal power, so this is the. Very important information、uh, that we need to go further the discussion. And it's very challenging for China to switch from coal as their base power to、uh, renewables, as Chinese electricity transmission grid infrastructure is still quite dated. So in 2020, there was a study done also by Amber、uh, saying that the international wind and solar Electricity was、uh, about nine point four percent of the world's electricity use, and China, U.S. they were all around nine to ten percent,、uh, quite average, comparably. But at the same time, Germany and the U.K. were、uh, really leading the pack with thirty three percent and twenty eight percent, respectively, with their wind and solar production. And that is largely due to their、uh, advanced leading technology, where they are able to successfully integrate very large amounts of intermittent wind and solar energy into their electricity system, with quite a stable grid and a really advanced technology where they can maximize the use of wind and solar whenever it is wherever it is needed throughout the grid. 
So that is uh, the technology where China can really learn and uh, develop from and to increase its uh, renewable energy use. At the same time, uh, China needs to increase the development of its battery storage technology uh, to further stabilize its renewable technology plants and also increase power sector reform to build stronger and more reliable grid systems. Yeah. On the other hand, China's government needs to materialize the promise uh, that was set in 2015 regarding the uh, power sector reform. Because now the power sector is still heavily regulated by the government agencies uh, because with the lack of the very uh, market-based uh, power uh, electricity tariff uh, scheme, uh, the cost-effectiveness of the power sector uh, has been very low. So I think they they realized the the barrier uh, in order to increase the economic efficiency, also support more higher penetration of the renewables, and also reduce the fossil fuel in uh, dependence. Uh, the power sector reform, market-based reform, has been a very instrumental, uh, crucial solution. And I think in the next five years, uh, the government will have to continue uh, to work on this, although they face a lot of the challenges. Uh, I think this is also a successful um, lesson from Western European uh, power market. Yeah, and uh, keep in mind that China's top priority is still economic growth, especially after the COVID-19 uh, saga. And this year, for 2021, China set a target of 6% of economic growth, lower than uh, normal, but still a very ambitious target. And uh, with that, uh, development of renewables is also an opportunity for China to really um, increase its economic growth and at the same time producing more green tech. Uh, another technology that China has has to uh, invest in and work on is the carbon capture technology, CCS, because uh, with the strong economic growth, coal is not going to be stopped overnight. And in order for China to continue to use greener and cleaner coal, um, the investment and utilization and the commercialization of ambitious and also very um, captive uh, CCS technologies is going to be a crucial role in the development of uh, renewable technologies. It's true that uh, carbon capture and storage supposes to play a big part in decarbonization process, particularly in China. We have discussed much about the technologies which may help reduce the carbon intensity of energy and electricity systems. Now let's move uh, to the demand side management or decentralized energy system like a rooftop solar PV, you know, because by influencing uh, human behavior, we can manage the energy demand more effectively and release the growing uh, grid load pressure under some special conditions like uh, extreme weather. Uh, I heard that the heat waves already uh, hit many parts of the southern China 
even in the very early uh, time of uh, summer, and bring challenges to the uh, power supply security. I remember the other day you mentioned you are going to add uh, solar PV at your house. How is that going, Erin? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I actually live in the province Guangdong, where there has been ongoing blackout rollouts due to the lack of consistent renewable energy coming from other provinces. So kind of to combat that, um, I've been thinking about having solar panels on my roof for a while. Um, but no, six, seven years ago, when I was considering this project, the price to install personal PV is very, very expensive. So it wasn't worth, um, it wasn't worth the consideration at the time. But seeing a lot of my neighbors getting it done recently, um, I looked into the pricing again and it's actually a tenth of the price than it was before. So now I'm looking at installing about 15 solar panels on my rooftop and that could uh, potentially produce about 6,000 kilowatts of electricity for my house per year. And that offsets about 60 to 70 percent of the use of our household. So that really solves a lot of the issues about um, peak hour electricity use and the lack of consistent electricity um, coming from the grid through other renewable um, technologies. And even though that 6,000 kilowatts doesn't look like a lot of electricity, but if you kind of multiply that by, you know, six, 68 units that are within our neighborhood, that's about 400,000 kilowatt hour per year. And if, you know, we multiply that by the number of neighborhoods that are in our, in my city, that's quite a substantial amount of electricity that people personally are producing just using solar panel. And I think that really demonstrates a interesting behavioral change within our community because well, this technology wasn't popular even four or five years ago um, for personal use. And just within the last year or two, it has really boomed and the, the cost of it gone down, has gone down a lot. So you see a lot of people kind of um, being more accepting of renewable technologies and really leaning towards a more sustainable lifestyle. Yeah, it sounds very interesting project. I really hope your efforts can really contribute to the, the pit load management because uh, sometimes in the very extreme weather like uh, heat waves, the air conditioning really is a big energy electricity consumer. Uh, so if you can use your own electricity like a decentralized energy supply system to meet the very big chunk of the demand of the electricity, you really help the grid to have a very optimal management. We would like to know the uh, result, outcome in, in the future, right? Yeah, for sure. I'll keep everyone updated. <laughs> okay, let's us move to the last part, see how China responds to the kind of the international pressure about the uh, coal power funding uh, in other countries, particularly under the Belt Road Initiative. So uh, can you tell our audience about the updates of the China's investment in this area? 
Yeah, so um, China, as as we all know, is very very high investment contributor to uh, international coal sector and other mining sectors. And in 2020, there is a report that came out from the Boston University Global Development Policy Center that stated that the China Development Bank and the Export Import Bank of China together has funded. $474 million of coal sector projects outside of China in 2020. Now, that seems like a very big number uh, in dollar amounts. And it seems like, you know, it's a lot of different projects that's being funded. But um, actually, it's a very small number comparing to five, six years ago. So China's um, coal and oil investment has been falling significantly since 2015, especially in terms of the Belt and Road initiatives that uh, China heavily invests in Asia and um, Central Africa areas. So countries like Vietnam, Indonesia, and Pakistan were originally all uh, major co-investment countries under this program. Yeah, it seems to me that the international action to phase out coal power uh, in recent years has uh, speeding up, particularly in the last two years. And the COVID-19 pandemic has played another driving role in this trend. And I think uh, in the future, particularly next couple of years, uh, when more countries are already committed to the, achieve the carbon neutral strategy by middle of the, uh, this century, I think China not only uh, trying to control the growth of the coal power, reducing the coal uh, dependence in domestic situation, but also need to consider and find some solution to move more resources, financial resources, the technology resources to uh, invest more in renewables. I mean, because the cost has been reduced a lot and becoming more acceptable in even very low-income countries in many occasions. So I think China has a capacity to uh, build up this momentum to help other countries uh, transform their energy system from a fossil fuel based to the renewable based. I think there are more opportunity in the new future for China to fulfill. Yeah, for sure. So as we can see, even though there's a lot of challenges for China to reduce their coal investment to zero, um, it also presents a lot of opportunities for China to develop additional renewable technologies within and also internationally with uh, a lot of different developing countries. Um, in that way, China can not only help these developing countries with their economical advancement. It can also help these countries reach their climate targets in a faster and more economical speed. So that concludes our podcast today. And we hope that you enjoyed our podcast. If you have any more questions about the research that we've done or anything else, please feel free to leave your comment. We value and cherish all your reviews. Until then, see you next time. Goodbye. See you next time. Bye-bye.